As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter one. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy to read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. Understand, defend, and share your faith with confidence. This is Unapologetic from Premier Unbelievable. Welcome to Unapologetic, helping you to understand, defend, and share your faith with confidence. I'm Ruth Jackson, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Claire Williams, who will be sharing some of her thoughts around race, culture, and young people. I'm going to introduce Claire properly in a minute, but I just want to remind you to head over to our website, premierunbelievable.com, to find more shows, articles, and resources. And if you register or sign up for our newsletter on the website, then you can get yourself a free ebook. So, back to Claire Williams, who is the founder of Get Real, an apologetics ministry, engaging with the big questions of life, faith and culture. Claire, October is Black History Month. What does that mean to you? I know you've been doing lots of stuff um, with your ministry, but, but what does it mean to you personally, Black History Month? Yeah, I think Black History Month is a time of celebration. Um, I think over the years it has been a time of um just talking about slavery or just talking about Martin Luther King but I think there's lots of resources available lots of new perspectives and it's a time of celebration it's not about erasing other ethnicities or groups but actually about amplifying voices and and work and appreciating the work um of black British people who've just made you know outstanding contributions to to society. And before we talk specifically about some of the issues that we're going to address in this podcast and and over the next few issues of the podcast would you just share a little bit about your story you know how did you get into apologetics why did you decide to create Get Real you know did you grow up in the church what's kind of your faith journey just give us a little bit of a potted history of Claire Williams if you will. (laughs) Okay yeah so I did grow up in church my dad was um a Jamaican preacher um my parents are from the Windrush generation so my mum sent Lucian I was born here um so Caribbean heritage and grew up in church um Pentecostal church saw a lot of um answers to prayers saw God actively working um but then as I got older I had my own questions as many of us do and um then uh, I came to a point in my career I, w- I was a teacher for 10 years uh, that I had a lot of questions it was just a perfect storm lots of things were going on and then I left my teaching profession to train in apologetics with OCCCA the Oxford Centre for Christian Apologetics and loved it um, it was really um, just challenged in my faith but also saw how you can engage with some of the some of your deepest questions uh, and then as I started to as I, and I still do very much love the discipline of apologetics I kind of started to see a bit of a, a gap um, in some of the questions that would say the black British community might ask um, that 
you kind of classical apologetics model didn't necessarily cater to. So um, seeing that gap, I felt challenged by God actually <laughs> to try to do something about it as 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 um, far as I can. And that's where Get Real comes from. So I do look at your sort of general apologetics questions, but also with a particular focus upon questions that emerge from um, black British people, black British millennials in particular, who kind of maybe are on the same journey as I was questioning their faith or having left the faith those sorts of kind of places. Um, so that's a bit about what I do. And do you see that those questions are different or is it just sort of articulated in a, in a different way? I think the 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 baggage that comes with them is different. So I remember in 2020, I think it was 2020, June, <laughs> uh, the activist Sean um, King uh, tweeted, you know, we need to pull down every image of white Jesus. It's a form of, and a tool of uh, white supremacy. And I remember apologists flocked, you know, to the call to answer this question. And many people were saying things like, well, actually, when you look at it statistically, Christianity is not a white man's religion because um, more people follow follow Christianity in the global south. Um, and that is factually correct. OK, but I found my fellow apologists were missing um, the weight that became behind that question, that the symbol of Jesus a Jesus who looks like a Jesus of Norway, as um, the artist um, <laughs> um, says, I can't remember his name, but he, Jesus looking very white, very European, comes with a history and a legacy that still continues today. And that's the part that was missed. And so whilst it's true that um, the majority of Christians are you know, emerging from the global South today, um, I actually went to, for instance, I went to West Africa um, in 2019, 2019 or 2020, I can't remember. I think it was 2019 before the pandemic. And um, when I was out there, we, I was going to loads of local churches, and there were images of white Jesus everywhere. Okay, and this is in this is in today <laughs> mm -hmm. in West Africa. So we need to deal with the legacy of colonialism. And so the questions of Christianity being harmful in in terms of it being racist, I think they're generic questions, but actually there's different weight and there's a lived experience dare I say that phrase because I know some people don't like it but it's true there's there's a lived experience behind that that, is, that I think as I said the classical model of apologetics doesn't quite respond to and and how do you think we can better understand the cultural legacy of second and third generation black British young people because I suppose in, in some ways it's quite a new thing isn't it yeah I think um so for instance, my parents who came to this country and my grandparents who came to this country came at a time when I would say racism was very much in your face. Um, things that they had to deal with was horrible, even going to church. We all know the story of lots of black um, Caribbean Christians being asked not to come back to churches. That's very much a common testimony among um, black Christians at the time, 50s and 60s. Um, but now they've, they've had children, you know, they've worked really hard. Their children are um, going to university, having good jobs, and then their grandchildren are doing the same. And kind of like the legacy of church going is is fading out as generations go on anyway and we know that across ethnicities but also um trying to want to be part of um british culture and being british um by birth but still having to deal with some of um the racist um incidents and, and situations that their parents and grandparents have had to de deal with and that's the the place at which i find myself 
in and, and I guess Gen Z as well. Do you think there's a certain to to a certain extent that that people like you perhaps feel like you maybe don't quite know where you fit, where you belong? Um, I think that that was that was a very much um, a thing that came out of like um, sort of cultural studies of you know between two cultures kind of thing, mm. and I get why some of that was kind of um popular in the in i would say early 2090s and i I understand that i think though um i'm glad for my parents and and my church family and and who've really given me a sense of identity and i think not only does my identity come from my family of course but also my identity in christ so i think um what's happened now actually particularly after 2020 and i'm sure we'll get into this um you'll see a lot of millennials in particular, a lot of Gen Z um, black young people wanting to get into their roots, wanting to um, become more familiar with sort of indigenous practices. Um, but uh, yeah, and so I can understand what you're saying. Um, I think so. I think that there, there, is, there is an element to that, but I, I, I just think about it because there was a part of this in sort of the social sciences and cultural studies where that kind of between two cultures was used almost in a weaponizing way anyway I, I think I'm thinking out loud <laughs> <laughs> it's all really helpful so it, it, I suppose how do we help young people to engage with their roots like that and, and I suppose also at the same time be kind of introducing them to Christianity or reintroducing them to Christianity or correcting kind of misconceptions um, all, all of that while helping them to find their place yeah it's a tough one um, but I think that traditionally the the narrative of christianity the christian story as told through the western lens um has has missed out some significant contributions of black christians <laughs> that that's what i'll say and we'll unpack this i'm sure in a, in, in a few episodes time but um and i think reclaiming the narrative and, and i say i say that um i say that carefully because i i, I saw you know over 2020 revisionist historians and rewriting history and you know quotes from um, 1984 and all that kind of thing but I think it's the right thing to do to tell the full story of God's hand at work in human history tell the full story and I think when um, I mean when I became acquainted with how you know the rich heritage of, of Christianity among African thinkers in the early church I was shocked and I'd never I'd never learned about it before how much more are the young people growing up today you're listening to unapologetic from premier unbelievable how do you think we keep you know those young black people in our mind when we're doing apologetics when we're talking about engaging youth culture how how do we make sure that they're you know, front and center of, of what we're doing. And we're not just kind of whitewashing in, in a literal sense, um, you know, all of the apologetics and, and the outreach that we're doing. It's, it's about one, one of the ways you can address this is in your talks, okay, in your evangelism, in your group discussions, is there a diversity of thought in that? I'm not saying th- like a theological spectrum here. I'm talking about are there any thinkers that you read that you can quote any musicians any um artists any any you know just thinkers of our day that aren't necessarily white european who have something to say and there are and, and if you and if the answer is no there aren't well you haven't done your homework i'm sorry <laughs> so we need to do our homework and be and because representation really does matter it, and if 
young people don't see themselves in the story of Christianity, they see themselves as extras in, in you know on the stage of, of Christianity, um, then they will disengage. Well, and presumably that was part of where Get Real came from in that it's it's not just about the people we quote, it's also about the people that you see on platforms. And, um, you know, sadly, a lot of kind of the history of apologetics has been white middle-aged men, hasn't it? So, you know, how, how does that speak to a young black woman who's... Um, so, you know, what are some of the ways that we can be giving a platform to to people who are not white middle-aged men in the area of <laughs> apologetics? Yeah, and I think it's about reaching out um, and engaging with lots of the resources that are out there. So I know you've had her on your um, uh, Unbelievable and th- different things like that in the past, but um, Lisa Fields in mm-hmm. America, the G3 project, is doing some fantastic work, honestly. So engaging with resources that are out there and reaching out to people, um, I think, is, 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 is one way of doing that. Um, what has your experience been, you know, being in this world that is sort of predominantly white, predominantly male? Has it has it been difficult for you to, to be doing this? Or, or do you feel like actually doors have been opened because of what you're doing, because of the kind of the niche that you're able to speak into? Mm. It's interesting, actually, because when I started this, um, it was like tumbleweeds. <laughs> I was like, Lord, are you sure? Are you sure? But then 2020 happened. And um, so I started this in 2019, 2020 happened. And then it was like lots of people began to, to call me, to ask me to speak, to, to do things. And I had, I had to get myself up to speed, research, learn, lots of things like that. Um, so I've struggled in the sense of because apologetics leans so heavily on philosophy, which is all about reason, rationality, logic, and those are great things. And I think God has given us that. Yeah. Um, we're meant to love the Lord of all our hearts, soul, mind and strength, all of our being. Sometimes that impetus to want to land upon an you know, indisputable truth without um, acknowledging the hurt and the pain that some people might experience, that has sometimes been difficult for me to, to navigate. And, you know, the, the sense that, I mean, if you're asking um, the question, is Christianity white man's religion or I don't want to be a Christian because of racism that isn't a legitimate question it's not an objection we should take seriously that kind of attitude um has been hard to to navigate but I think it's something that's been understood more yeah do you feel that the tide is is changing or do you feel like it's still a really difficult area to be speaking into I think the tide is changing I do um and I think it's changing because this question about let's say the church's complicity in racism or slavery whatever it's not just a question about racism for black people to address it's the general when we look at gen z in particular they don't like anything harmful (laughs) so christianity you know apologetics is no longer um is christianity true or is christianity relevant is it harmful is the question of is the overarching question Mm. of our day and so if it's harmful in terms of racism, if it's harmful in terms of sexism and so on and so on, regardless of ethnicity, you're going to find people backing up from the faith. And the, the sooner we, we understand that and not just say, well, you know, drop the hammer of objective truth upon people, but actually say, let's engage. Let me see what I can affirm about your, um, your, your objection to Christianity. I think that's how the tide is going to change. 
And you mentioned Gen Z there. That's effectively, I mean, there's sort of, you know, different opinions about who Gen Z are, but it's effectively yeah. anyone born sort of mid nineties onwards, isn't it? So mm-hmm. you do a lot of engaging with, with that generation, with, with young people. I mean, were there questions that you specifically had growing up as a young person yourself? Were there, you know, were there any specific big apologetic questions that you had? What were some of the things that really kind of, you know, you were a pastor's kid, but I'm sure that didn't mean mm. you didn't have questions because also a pastor's kid also had questions you know what were the sort of big yeah. things that you know kept you up at night yeah and I think we we touched on this before in another, in another conversation but it's definitely the bible mm-hmm. the trustworthiness of the bible legitimacy of the bible because particularly in, in black Pentecostalism there is a really high view of scripture and we expect that when you open the bible God is talking to you you know and I've seen God move powerfully in that way in, in many people's lives including my own but when you're confronted with questions about the historicity of the Bible, or you know the God of the Old Testament, all all these other these other objections, I w- that really did begin to shake my faith because I ha- I have this esteem of the Bible and I think um, it is a record of God's 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 work in human history. So that was the big thing for me, the Bible. And so how did you reconcile that? Because presumably, you know, we've all still got questions, but presumably you've come to a kind of greater understanding (laughs) of the legitimacy of the Bible. You know, how how did you kind of begin to work that out for yourself? Yeah, um, I think that, well, the first thing I did was I heard a lecture um, by a guy called Tom Price. He works for OCCA, Oxford Centre for Christian Apologetics, about the historicity of the Bible. And he talked about the New Testament and the kind of um, manuscript edition, and kind of comparing the, the Bible to other ancient texts um, or texts from antiquity and the copies, all that kind of stuff. And I was just like, why didn't I know about this? I was happy mm. to hear it, but I was also upset. Like, why has it taken me <laughs> this long to know this? Um, but also engaging, uh, I think it's a timeless book, Amy or Ewing's book, Why I Trust the Bible is brilliant. And she's recently revised it. So um, those two were I kind of like I say the entry, my entry point into apologetics and being like, oh my goodness, this is great. Um, so that, that, that really helped me with my, my questions about the Bible. Well, you touched on a really interesting point there, Claire, like, why didn't I know this? And I think that's what lots of people hear, you know, the amount of times people have said, oh, that's the first time I've ever heard that argument or the first time I've ever seen that evidence being presented. I mean, that's a, that's a big issue, isn't it? How do we make sure that some of that stuff that is being discussed in the ivory towers gets, you know, whittled down to people just on the street? You know, have you got any thoughts about how we disseminate that information well? Yeah, I mean... Um, and this is why I have a passion for young people because I don't want them to get to the age I was finding yeah. this stuff out or, you know, reading one passage of scripture that, you know, really makes them feel uncomfortable and they, they trade their whole faith in when actually there are thinkers from ages past who've wrestled with these questions as well. Mm. Um, so I think it's about within our church spaces having forums where we collect regularly the questions that our young people have because the questions are always changing. It's always a moving, um, a moving thing. And, being able to address them. I'm not saying to do that on a Sunday, but I'm saying there needs to be a forum where we do that. And um, the thing about young people as well, I've noticed they don't want to be patronised. Mm. Equally, they don't want you to act like you're cool and you're one of them because you're just not. like. But <laughs> 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 well, they don't want to be patronised. And, and one of the ways not to patronise young people is to challenge them with challenging material. Say, you know, this academic has this view or this is a finding this was a discovery so um challenging 
obviously our young people, but also just the general <laughs> church congregation, having these spaces where we engage critically and think deeply about our faith. Um, we're going to be talking a lot more about these sorts of issues in the next few podcasts. But um, just just as we come to the end of this one, as we approach the end of Black History Month in, in October, are there any particular thoughts you would like to share with our listeners? Any advice, any kind of... I guess this is your opportunity to just offload anything that's on your heart that you kind of wish more well, people were thinking about. <laughs> um, I think that um, if you're in a church or in a space where it's maybe not very ethnically diverse and you might think, well, we don't need to talk about Black History Month here. I would say you do need to talk about Black History mm -hmm. Month there. You need to have watch a video, um, read an article, just engage in some way. Um because as I said at the start, Black History Month is about celebration, celebration and celebrating, you know, the contributions to um, British history and the present day. So don't think that because maybe you're not a person of colour or maybe you're in, in a space that is a white majority space that you don't have to celebrate, you don't have to do something. Do something. It's, it'll be good. It'll be good for all of us. Thank you for listening to Unapologetic. You can find out more about our guest, Claire, through the links with today's show. And please do let us know what you think of the programme. We, we like your feedback, whether it's positive or negative, it all helps. Um, you can get in touch over our social media or by emailing unbelievable at premier.org.uk. And do join us next week as we carry on this brilliant conversation with Claire. And we'll be focusing particularly on racial justice and young people. You've been listening to Unapologetic. For more shows, resources and our newsletter, visit premierunbelievable.com.